OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Alan Quinlan is with us. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, lads. Yeah, still coughing a bit, Ger, unfortunately. Uh, well, hopefully we get through this. Um, we'll talk about Ulster in a moment, but um, should we talk about Owen Farrell and, and his tackle first? Uh, I know this was one of the things coming out of the Premiership this weekend. Um, I hadn't seen the video and uh, we were talking about it pre-show and I was like oh it's fairly typical and I was like oh was it one of those tackles where he leads with his arm and I was like yeah exactly that's exactly it and then I watched it and I was like oh I've seen this tackle from Owen Farrell a lot what's going on here yeah I think it's um, obviously with there's so much talk about um, you know the, the reducing the tackle height and players shoulder to, to head and the neck area I think on Friday night for anyone who didn't see it um, 74 minutes um He's at the side of a rock on Farrell against Gloucester and Jack Clement, uh, one of the Gloucester players, pick, picks it around the side and Owen Farrell looks to make the tackle and um, there's a shoulder to the neck and the chin um, clear contact. And I think probably um, the frustrating part about this is, um, you know, with the new the new World Rugby directives that have come into place since the 1st of January, one of, one of those directives was to try and speed up the TMO process and and hurry things on a little bit because it's a lot of time being lost in the game. Players walking into lineouts, penalty kicks, conversions, all that kind of stuff. So I think uh, the referee, Carl Dixon, um, maybe had that in his mind and he was asking the TMO, um, was it in the previous phase of play? And if it was, we can't go back and look at it. And uh, Claire Hodna was the TMO. She said um, she she wasn't sure um, it was about six phases before the ball hadn't gone out of play, so they were they should have went back and looked at it, and they didn't. Um, and obviously, if you see it, you see the thing live uh, on the TV or see it afterwards. Um, I think it's a clear red card, and it's. It, I suppose it could have been. It could be significant. He may be cited yet. Um, he plays on the last five or six minutes and gets a drop goal when the clock is in the red to win it for, for Saracens. Um, and it just kind of highlights um, even at this stage that uh, it shouldn't be happening. You know, it should have been dealt with on the field and, and the referee, Carl Dixon, and the TMO, there was a lack of communication there. And and look, maybe he will be cited. I'm not advocating for players to be cited and sent off and all that kind of stuff. But I think there has to be consistency across the game with the with the shoulder uh, contact to, to above above you know the neck and the head area, and there was this was a clear one where he should have been, it should have been dealt with. Yeah. It could have been a yellow. There was no arm wrap there, and um, he's a very physical player, and he's a brilliant player, and he's a top bloke as well. Um, but you know we're trying to change the behaviours in the game right across the board, and and this wasn't dealt with and he got away with one really and Saracens got away with one and essentially England got away with one uh, unless he cited. Yeah, and we, as of yet we're still waiting to, to see. Um, it looks like he probably will more than likely get away with it. Sexton got away with one last week though, right? Uh, uh, he, he did and, and you you asked me that and uh, you know he ends up uh, you know breaking his jaw um, and went for an operation but I think the more you look back in that and we've seen 
you know, the, the onus is on the tackle player, the tackling player to drop their body height, not the ball carrier. And um, we saw one previously where Keane Healy um, against Ulster, um, he got sent off for it and then got the red card um, changed or rescinded. Um, it's difficult on the tackling player when their body height is that that high and they receive the tackle. But I, I, it's very clear for me and for anyone listening or watching, um, when you're the tackle player, if your movement is, your last movement is forward towards the opposition, that's when you're in kind of uh, dangerous territory. If you're absorbing the tackle, it's a little bit different. But looking back at Johnny Sexton's one, he could have easily have... Um, you know, got a yellow or possibly a red from that tackle. On the Farrell incident, Quinny, is it the TMOs? <clears throat> is, it a com- is it a calamity of errors? Like, the TMO eventually says yes. it to Carl Dixon, the referee, but, of course, time has is, time is passed on. The referee then say- says too much time has passed for him to do anything about it and go back and review it. Like, in, in football, you'd imagine if there's, a, if there's a foul, you know, the game plays on, and even if it's four or five minutes later when the ball stays in play, the referee will still give the card at the end of that phase of play. But yeah. should the referee... Have Gone back regardless, no matter how much time had passed. Yeah, and I think there is a bit of Shane. There is a bit of um, confusion around that, and the TMO called it. Uh, Gloucester went up the field. It was six phases later. They end up getting into the Saracens twenty-two, and that's where Carl Dixon was asking, "Was it previous um, phase of play where the ball went out of play?" So I think what they're being told now in directives, if 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 it plays on for a minute or two and the ball goes out of play and restarts again with a line-out or a scrum or, or a kick-off or a 22 drop-out or whatever, that, um, you know, you shouldn't go back that far. But that that would indicate it's up to the TMO to kind of pick these things up on the go. They have to be clear and obvious and you got to tell the referee that. So he deals with it really quickly and we're not looking at replays and, and constant delays on, on whether it's foul play or not foul play. Um, there was a total com- brute breakdown of communication here. And, you know, this is a game that's on TV that everybody's watching, you know, loads of Irish people watching this game as well. Um, obviously, big audience across the UK. So everyone can see it. And it's not, I think what what it shouldn't really happen that, this kind of breakdown happens. The breakdown of communication happens, but that's exactly essentially what what happened, and it wasn't reviewed. And you know, Gloucester were were really frustrated. I think in the end, and um, well, a whole league you know, title can be decided on decisions like this. The whole notion as well that oh, these old decisions they all even themselves up over the years. They don't like massive mistakes get made, and you never recover from them, and careers get. You know, uh, I'm not saying in this instance that's the case, but like uh, good quality refereeing isn't that hard to sort out, especially when they have so many people watching stuff. And there was a, at least a conversation about this. Uh, they should have taken their time over it. It's potentially game changing, and it turned out it would have been completely game changing. Um, yeah, and, and Carl Dixon said, "Look, if if it's in the previous phases of play um, where the game had restarted, and uh, the sighting officer will look after it." But I, I just think it's it's really important that, you know, with the new directives and we've seen a lot of the games so far, the referees telling players to speed up the kicks. You know, you have 60 seconds for, for a penalty from the time it was awarded um, or the time you indicate you're having a shot at, at goals. Um, 90 seconds from a try being scored to take the conversion. 
um, s- slow play is going to be penalised. So if you're yeah. walking into lineouts, taking your, all those things are good. Yeah. But the one thing, Jerry, you think it's like kind of like VAR in soccer. You, you you don't really mind how long it takes if you, if you're the supporting team of or if it affect well it affects both sides these decisions if they get it right and for me the 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 foul play or was the try scored um, the TMO stuff I I don't care if you're waiting five ten minutes for that as long as you get the right call yeah. and I know there is World Rugby are trying to speed up the game and that came from a conference that they had in, with all the different coaches in World Rugby which is to be applauded because you know the game is stop start enough but this TMO stuff and and Friday night it was it was clearly wrong and what would 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 worry me more um again this isn't about the individual because honestly he's he's a great player and a brilliant fella but if this goes and there is no sighting and it's not uh, it's not looked at it's wrong really you okay. know Okay, we should move on because we need to talk about Ulster. Um, uh, we, we had O'Gara on, obviously, on Friday morning and you were uh, gently probing about how the game was going to go against Toulouse at the weekend. They absolutely hammered Toulouse, 30 points to 7 in the top 14. It's their first win against uh, Toulouse, I think, since 2019. So they're in very good form, which is exactly what Ulster don't need uh, heading into the next game, which is against La Rochelle. Uh, this is, I mean, we, we talk week on week about Ulster over the last five, six weeks, basically since the second half collapse against Leinster in that game that you were talking about, Keane Healy's red card. Um, something is rotten in Ulster at the moment. And where do you start? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, there's a real lack of confidence has seeped in. And, um, you know, certain areas that are game that they were very strong at, are, are now you were not seeing it. You know their mall was really strong at the start of the season. They were scoring lots of tries. Their forwards were putting um, a big squeeze in the opposition. Um, if you teams have obviously negated that, and look, let's be honest, Bennett's on away um, with all their internationals are are a tough. It's a tough fixture. So, and in their in fairness, to Ulster they've had a they've had an incredibly difficult run. With, with a lot of away games. I think last week was kind of summed up where they're at, you know, in that monster game. Um, and then they get themselves back. They take the lead in 77 minutes against Benetton after playing poorly for particularly the first half. Um, and then they, John Cooney gets penalised and, and Rhino Smith, the, the, the Benetton fullback, kicks, kicks a penalty to win the game. They, ju- they just look deflated. They look like... Um, they look like a side that are kind of lost in a sense. They're lacking a little bit of energy. They're showing glimpses of what they can do. And I've said this throughout this really tough period. It's their fifth loss in six games. Um, that certain things they can do are very exciting, but there's something wrong, as you say. And and there is a bit of a crisis there now, and they're going through a really difficult period. Those glimpses, Quinny, of, of, of positive shoots from Ulster and Dan McFarland mentioned the fact <clears throat> the fact that they came back from twenty at fifteen down and got that one point lead again, albeit then Cooney's cut offside and they give the, the late penalty away to lose the game. But are there any positives to be seen from, from Ulster at the moment, even performance wise? Um I I don't I, I'm not sure. It's hard to find them. I think the character look was was um and we can probably overplay the confidence thing. I think um the character they showed to come back and get themselves in that position uh, to go ahead 
Um, and all all teams need those kind of moments where they're going through a bad run and suddenly they turn it around and get get a result on the road. And this was one they needed. Um, but I just think they didn't they didn't manage the game. Their game management at times is really really poor. I think you know they had a couple. And Dan McFarland spoke about this in the Munster game. Their entry points into the opposition twenty two. They had so many of them against Munster and came back out, got turned over, didn't get scores. So you would that would indicate there's a ruthless kind of dominant edge missing there. I think the Erica Sullivan try um, after eight minutes was was a real positive. But Klusky made a real powerful carry. They won the line out. He made a real powerful carry. Play a couple of phases. Nick Timoney big carry around the corner, and then you know they come back in field and score a really really good try. And you think it's dominant, um, aggressive, direct rugby. And I think when they play like that, I think they can get more out of the team. I think they've got into a, a state of believing that um, they can run around teams and they can they can cut them open with their backline. And when teams are defending well against them, I think they've they're having issues. But um, the positive is, yeah, I suppose they have the talents. They have some really good players, but they're not gelling together and playing like a team and. In, in saying that, I said it at the start, Shane, they've had a really dreadful run of games as well. Um, and it's been really tough for them when you, when you go back to, you know, away from sale, away, away to sale, away to Leinster, away to sale, home to a really powerful La Rochelle side. Then they're away to Connacht. Um, really tough run of fixtures. You, you know, the Munster game at home, that's the one you think they're going to win and they're going to win, um, handsomely. And then they're away on the road again to Benetton. So it's been a really tough run. And obviously, they're off to La Rochelle now. So yeah. it doesn't get any easier. But that's the that's the ball game. Like, Ulster are supposed to be building a team capable of reaching semi-finals of all the competitions they enter in. They don't lack for resources. They don't lack for uh, talents in terms of the, the players we think are supposed to be good. But it's interesting how few, how so few of them have actually made Ireland squads and made Ireland teams and are outperforming you know, there's very few of those players who make it to the Ireland squad and then overachieve. There's been a few instances in recent years where that's happened. But like that back row, we thought that, you know, Lowry might make it, Balakou might have a, a place nailed down in the team. It hasn't, they haven't kicked on. And is that, I wonder, is that because the culture in the playing pool is wrong or the culture in the management is wrong or the culture in the whole operation is wrong at the moment? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, uh, it's hard to put your finger on it, but there's, um, I think there's a lack of leadership there, and and reality of of rolling up the sleeves and and really dogging out games. Um, you know, you mentioned those players in the backline. James Hume is is an incredibly talented player. Balakun, um, and what what he did in the game the other day was really impressive. I think um, he's he still has that bit of X factor. Mike Lowry got a great try. Um, he's trying a lot, but they're just lacking energy as well. So there's there's something not right there. Um, and who knows? You know, I like Dan McFarland. I think he's, by and large, up to this point, you could say that, you know, there was an, a certain amount of excitement and progression from this Ulster group. They could have been in a URC final last summer um, and possibly could have won it if they got there. So... They, they, they were very unlucky against the Stormers right at the death in the semi-final. Um, so they're coming up short a lot. I think it's quite frustrating for Ulster fans. And it's 
it's a clear indicator of the type of player and the level the players are at when they're being picked for Ireland. And there we say it, you know, it's constant uh, Leinster players doing simple things really well, building into a system, um, looking full of um, energy, flair, quality all the time. And and the other provinces are, are striving for that kind of a setup. But And you think Ulster are the ones that are kind of the nearest and the ones who can challenge at the moment a little bit more. But they've gone backwards in the last few weeks, so there's something not, not clicking there. In saying that, um, all sports teams have these kind of bad runs and, and it can be difficult. And that's where you need good leaders to to kind of help and take over. And one result can change change things. So it's a really difficult game going to La Rochelle at the weekend. But, you know, they've got to kind of roll the sleeves up this week and and, and, and hope something um, happens for them because, you know, sail at home the following week. They could, they could be out of Europe and most probably will be out of Europe um, the follow, you know, in two yeah. weeks' time. Yeah. Okay. I I do want to move on because the speculation in the, in the papers linking Malcolm Marks, the uh, Springbok hooker, with Munster. Um, does this does if if one big name South African signing comes in, does this mean RG Slyman won't be there next season? Can you have both in the team at the same time? No, you can have both. I think, and they've they've been linked with Malcolm Marks on a, a, a few occasions before. Um, he's obviously a fantastic player and would be another big marquee signing. And 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 it's an area that you know, aside from Niall Scandal and Dermot Barron and Scott Buckley, you know, they need a little bit more depth there and and top quality um, power and physicality. Um, they're not going to be able to sign uh, an international tight and international hooker. So. Maybe if Malcolm Marks comes in, he certainly helps the scrum situation a little bit. Um, he offers a little bit more depth there to Niles, with Niall Scannell and Dermot Barron, who are very good players. But you feel it's an area that um, Munster need to strengthen and get more depth because you know when it comes to the business end of matches, I think their scrum has, has creaked a little bit. Go back to that game against Toulouse, the quarterfinal and the Aviva. And that's where all the the trouble and issues they had um, in that game popped up. And and sometimes people think it's just the props that are, you need big props to scrummage, but no, the hooker is vital as well. And he's a very strong scrummager, Malcolm Mark. So he would certainly add to any team. And, um, you know, if they get a little bit of luck with getting Snyman back, who's back running now, um, and get some games, they could have a decent run towards the end of the season. But, so you think they like both? Malcolm Marks. You think they both be in the team next season? Uh, sorry, like uh, a couple of things, right? First off, if Marks is being linked this heavily, it'd be unusual for that to be hijacked by somebody else. It feels like it. If it's leaking out at this point, it's leaking out because the there's good information. Is that your instinct about this? No, I didn't really speak to anyone. I think um, about it. I think he has been linked before, and I know that um, they 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 were trying to get him. Um, you know, you would think that. He would have a conversation with 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 RG Snyman. I think with Johan van Grand leaving, uh, Damien Dialenda leaving as well. That would that affect um, the the possibility of more more someone like him coming in? But um, I, I look. I think I, there's nothing concrete. I think obviously Malachi Fekitoa hasn't played a lot, so they're the kind of two marquee signings: Snyman and, and Fekitoa. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but 
maybe they would have to, you know, release Malachi Fekatoa if Malcolm Marks came in. But they can't make any decision about Arjun Snyman until he gets back. And obviously, if he plays the rest of the season and has a run, he has another year after that. And um, you know, I said it at the time for him signing that extension was. Obviously, it was great loyalty out of him, but it was loyalty out of Munster, giving him the opportunity as well. Um, and I, I know from from people who've spoken to him, and he wants to try and repay Munster a little bit and, and get back and play. Uh, but Malcolm Marks would be a great signing from yes. Uh, we should give Connacht a mention as well, Quinny. Um, I mean, it was a depleted yeah. Sharks team, albeit in the twenty four twelve win uh, down in the sports ground. Weather was was fairly torrid as well. It has to be said, but regardless of the. They may be different Sharks team compared to the Sharks team that beat the Bulls recently. Still a good win, and, and interestingly, Andy Friend uh, quite heavily praising the, the 3G pitch afterwards. Turns out this new pitch is uh, very much doing things in favour of Connacht. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is what they spoke about when, and the reason they got the pitch there being to be able to, you know, play their high tempo, fast tempo game in, in, in tough conditions, and the weather was horrendous there as well. Um, they're up to 11s now, and. We said it on Friday, Shane, didn't we? How the importance of not just a win here, but possibly a bonus point win. Um, there's no doubt the Sharks sent them a week inside, which is a pity in a sense, but you know, it's them trying to manage their squad as well with the travel and, and the matches they have coming up. Um, Leinster were very comfortable. I think they had to deal with, you know, the still the physicality and, and, the only way you can deal with that, and we saw it in the Munster performance against the Lions, is pace, tempo, fitness, all that kind of stuff. And 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 Connacht managed the game very, very well and threatened and and had some lovely scores. And you know, a twenty-four nil job was done. And I think they switched off a little bit. There was an obvious reaction from the Sharks, but a really, really important win um, against a side that's. Uh, could cause you problems they certainly would cause you problems if they had their full team out but um, Andy Fran would for, would would have been pleased with the job and, and the rugby they played as well and, and the 4G pitch did make a huge difference because they were able to move that shark side around a lot and um, they got some great tries Does it take the piss out of the tournament a little bit Quinny Sharks taking such a weekend squad or can you understand from their perspective I can understand. Um, I think they're they're down in ninth. Um, they've only played ten games. They've lost four. So I think they're with, with the quality they have and the depth they have, and all the South African internationals. They're they're potential winners of this competition. And it's kind of strange to say that after twelve games, a team down in ninth can win it, but they can. Um, so you know, it's it's trying to manage them and and. Uh, We've seen the Irish provinces rotate a lot over the years and sometimes the frustration of the, the, the English teams and the premiership and stuff like that. So it's it's a pity that they changed so many players uh, in a sense that um, you would think if they you know made four or five changes and had some on the bench and stuff like that. But um, I think they were kind of thrown in the towel a little bit. But this was a game that um, you'd really fancy the Sharks to go to Galway and win if they had their full side. Well, they could probably go anywhere and win because they're so strong. So um, we haven't seen much of that. And we've been praising the URC a lot and the quality of of uh, teams that have been selected throughout and the, the standard of the games. But certainly that one on Saturday was was a bit of a mismatch and, and the Sharks lacked a lot of quality there. But 
kind of got the job done and I think really important for them as we said on Friday. Leinster pretty much got the job done against Ospreys as well. Not a vintage Leinster performance but an opportunity for some of the younger players to get minutes with the exception maybe of Dan Sheehan who wasn't supposed to get as many minutes came off after 51 minutes and came straight back on again when his replacement got injured and he ended up doing 77 minutes which isn't ideal preparation for your, your number one hooker this close to the um, Six Nations. No, and I'm trying, I'm, every time I see Dan Sheehan, I'm saying, is he playing again and again and again? Um, such a brilliant player. And Leinster did struggle at the start and, you know, it was a very strong Osprey side. Uh, they picked up vast majority of their internationals. Tipperick was captain. Alan Wynne Jones was there. Um, Thomas Francis in the tight end, Nicky Smith. So they did a lot of power and a lot of quality there. Um, but Leinster just keep kind of uh, getting the results and, and I think the start of the game was poor for them to give up a soft sh- try to Keelan Giles um, brilliantly worked try up the short side but you know you, you talk about the confidence and the body language and all that kind of stuff and their work rate is just through the roof and the tries from um, Hugo Keenan and Jimmy O'Brien kind of summed up where they're at their, their execution and the, their lines are running there were two brilliant tries um, that effectively won the game from us. Sheehan gets one in the first half, which is, you know, on 36 minutes, it's Charlie Natai up the middle and they just literally come back blindside with a wide pass to Dan Sheehan and his footwork. So they um, they were brilliant scorers and, and it's a brilliant win, but it wasn't a vintage performance and it was one that they struggled in at periods of time. But it's 12, 12 on the bounce now, isn't it? So it's um, it was... Uh, from their point of view a very pleasing win away from home with lots of changes and lots of young players in there Yeah Harry, Harry Byrne started there was a clamour for us to see Harry Byrne play for Ireland and we kind of all wanted to see what that would be like that clamour has died down and from his perspective he just needs to get some game time and try and re-establish himself as a pretender even or a contender in that conversation because he's not in that conversation at the moment at all is he? Um, just needs a run of games, sure. You know, you need to play and you need to be involved in, in kind of big moments and matches. I think it was a game where he had some really good moments, but um, they were under a lot of pressure and they struggled, um, and Leinster at times, and they really had to dog it out. So for, for your fly half, um, and so often we see the halfbacks for, for Leinster getting an armchair ride with what's happening in front of them. He has undoubted quality, Harry Bourne. He's a big physical player um, and he just needs to play a number of games, you know, playing one every three or four weeks. Um, it's very hard to get any sort of rhythm and flow, but, um, you know, he. I'm sure he will come back into the conversation again um, because he has the quality to do that. Johnny Sexton's going to be fit now, it looks like, for the Six Nations. All this backup talk was for, for nothing, but I guess, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be rushing him back, would you? Um, well, now, well, it's, no, exactly. Give everybody else the chance in this, see what they're capable of doing, and then go, okay, we actually have depth. Or put Sexton in, and as Sexton goes, our, all our eggs are in the Johnny Sexton basket. The only thing is, the player himself, if he if there's a, any sort of chance that he will be fit. Um, he wants to play, yeah. He wants to play, of course. He hasn't played a huge amount of rugby this season. Um, but we'll wait and see, I think. You know, there's if he if he didn't play, um, it wouldn't be a bad thing for Ireland um, because going to Carlow first up is going to be really different, difficult. 
um, Warren Gatland, the Warren Gatland effect, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they'll really see Ireland as a massive scalp if they could if they could beat them there. So they'll make it really difficult. And you, you'd love to see Johnny Sexton there win the game and for them to have a good Six Nations. But I, I don't feel it's an imperative. It's in, it's the most important thing in the world. I think he needs to be minded. Um, not wrapped in cotton wool like you said before, Ger, which you probably do if you could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give him four months off. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, look, it'd be a big boost if he was back around the squad and back training with them anyway because he is the captain and he's great leadership qualities. All right. Quinny, we leave it there. Good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, lads. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.